that cigar. Well, I am rolling solo again this week, and uh, we wish Matt Ty a very, very speedy recovery. Um, and uh, yeah, just hope he and everybody else that maybe struggling with some kind of illness gets better soon. So um, thank you everyone for tuning in and listening and watching. How about that cigar live from the Drew estate studios. Welcome to episode number 87. Please remember to like and share all to all your favorite cigar groups and uh, let them know that this week we are doing a special giveaway tonight. And also a place for people to uh, watch and get ideas for holiday gifts for a uh, loved one, family member, friend, uh, hated colleague, whatever it might be for, uh, for uh, cigar gifts and uh, accessories. Um, as always, we are coming live from the Drew Estate Studios, and they would like to announce that uh, today, now shipping both Undercrown Shady 20 and Undercrown Dojo Dogma Maduro to Drew Diplomat retailers nationwide. Both the Undercrown Shady 20 and Dojo Dogma Maduro share a powerhouse blend that is similar to the Undercrown Corona Viva. Both cigars feature a toothy Mexican San Andreas Maduro wrapper spicy Connecticut stock cut Habano binder and showcase the highest quality Nicaraguan and Brazilian fillers. The shady 20 is a five by 50 box press bellicoso that is well-aged and packs a punch while remaining both smooth and sophisticated during the entire smoke. The dojo dogma Maduro is unique with the core Vitolas of undercrown Maduro as a six by 56 box press Toro that is packaged in a stunning 10 count box that also signifies that the cigars are limited edition release for 2020. For more info, please visit drewestate.com. Well, this week, um, not a whole lot going on in the world. Um, just a, Virus still thing happening, I guess. Uh, Chuck Yeager, the uh, guy to break the sound barrier, passed away, um, I think yesterday. Um, so uh, we uh, we give him a, a salute and thanks for your contribution to all things aeronautics. Um, like I, I mentioned at the top of the show, we are going to be giving something away to a uh, a viewer tonight. So comment ask questions um make fun of us it's all all good um in in the world of sports minnesota vikings i wouldn't call it a win i would call it i don't know it was painful it was painful but you know they got it done they got a win so a win is a win pack Obviously, is the pack Aaron Rodgers is is a stud. Uh, it's hard to hate him, but he's just so good. So, with that out of the way, I am going to bring on our special guest, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, uh, Christmas, holidays, all that jazz, and uh, talk talk uh, um, what what gift ideas and things that we can um, try and help those who are trying to gift loved ones. And as always, our uh, guest segment 
is sponsored by Corona Cigar Company. Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com is the internet's largest and easiest to use virtual cigar store. Corona Cigar Company offers you the finest handmade cigars, humidors, and cigar accessories at the absolute lowest possible price. You will also find unique and limited cigars containing Florida sun-grown tobacco. As a proud American, president and founder of Corona Cigar Company, Jeff Borschwitz believed it was possible to bring cigar tobacco farming back to Florida. At Corona Cigar Company and coronacigar.com, you'll find the best selection anywhere in the world of cigars containing the special Florida sun-grown tobacco. If you live in Florida or just visiting, be sure to visit any of the great Corona Cigar locations in downtown Orlando, Sand Lake, Lake Mary, and also the Davidoff of Geneva Lounge in Tampa. For more info on all of that, please visit coronacigar.com and floridasungrown.com. And without further ado, please give our special guest from Developing Palettes, the surgeon himself, John McTavish, a warm welcome. Gear brother, how's it going? I'm doing well. And yourself? Doing well. Thanks for having me on. It's always nice to be on a show. It gives me an excuse to smoke for me and not the endless amount of cigar reviews that we seem to be doing this time of the year. So... Uh, you know, I can relax. I can actually have a adult beverage with my cigar. Uh, I'm, ha- you know, I'm happy to come on the show. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, I'm super grateful. And as uh, people may know, uh, John is pinch hitting for Erica Tormson from Cigar Dojo, who was unable to attend this evening. So I am thankful to you, uh, John, for uh, coming on short notice. Can you let course, us know man. what you're smoking and drinking tonight? So uh, as we were talking in the green room, I, I went digging through my, my uh, humidor that I keep for, you know, my smoking pleasure. It's, everyone's it's, tends to have their sort of, you know, this is my special humidor. And I was digging through and trying to figure out timing for cigars and uh, came across Hoya Silver, which I've not lit up, embarrassingly, not lit up in probably six, eight months um, you know, it's a, it's a great cigar. It's a good size. This looks like the uh, Toro. It's a box press, which I'm a big fan of a box press, you know, very comfortable. Uh, I can put it in my mouth and play with my hands. I don't have to worry about the cigar popping out. Uh, and I went pretty easy drinking tonight. I went with the, uh, uh, Tomatin 12. Uh, you know, it's not, uh, not highbrow tonight, but it's exactly, I think what will go nicely with the cigar without overpowering it. Uh, and good for the weather. As you can see behind me, it's uh, beautiful and sunny and balmy tonight. It, it, it looks very balmy yeah, behind you. <laughs> Great backdrop. <laughs> that's, uh, that's the National Hotel. That's the view you're greeted at the National Hotel in, in Cuba. And this is certainly, uh, you know, this time of the year and certainly 2020 as a whole, I'd, I'd be happy to be at the National Smoking Cigar right now. I'm not going to lie. Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, so as we were talking and as I was kind of uh, reconfiguring what tonight was going to be about, um, I thought about, you know what, I, let's make a show about gift giving. Um, this time of year, obviously, with the holidays, Christmas and, and others that, um, you know, I get a lot of personal text messages um, either on Facebook or, you know, just whatever of friends and wives and um, family members who are asking, Hey, you know, what's a, what's a good cigar gift I can, I can give to so-and-so. And, 
you know, it got me thinking about dedicating the top end of the show about good gift ideas that we can come up with and, you know, give people a good idea of what, what that would maybe look like. It's a good call. It's that time of the year. I mean, we're, gosh, we're only two, two weeks out, a little over two weeks out. Uh, so if you're like me, you know, you're still like, oh man, I got plenty of time to buy gifts. So, but I'm in this, I'm in the same boat. I mean, you know, you get known your friends as the cigar guy. So, you know, they, they have a uncle or brother or cousin or a friend. They're like, yeah, you know, I really, I really want to get them something for, but I have no idea what they say. I don't, I don't know anything about cigars. So you get these endless questions. Uh, you know, you want to, you want to steer them right. But at the same time, you're looking out for a, a brother or sister of the leaf. You want to make sure they get, they get hooked up properly. Right. Exactly <laughs> you're right. like, how can I hook them up as I would like to be hooked up? So, yeah. So the top of the show, uh, we are going to dedicate to that portion. Uh, the second part, we'll get a little bit more into John's story, um, and what he's doing. So for this first part, this is really for loved ones, giving you guys ideas for gifts. And um, the first thing I just kind of want to show you guys and what we're going to be giving away, uh, which is, a, 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 you know, it is a great little gift idea. Um, this is a nice little, you know, pretty tr- typical travel humidor, uh, you know, either a four or five cigar humidor that this one contains a a lighter cutter and five premium cigars Um, this this little package right here would retail for around 80 bucks you know you can get this whole thing um, and this is given to us by uh, Sodi Cigar and Pipe which is located in Oak Park Heights Minnesota a uh, big thank you and shout out to Sodis for providing this for a uh, giveaway. Um, but it's a great, you know, this is a great little package. Five premium cigars, travel case, lighter, cutter. Um, just about any cigar smoker I know would appreciate a gift idea like this. 100%. And, and I can't even tell you the number of guys who I know, guys and girls, who are pretty established cigar smokers. And the number of them that I know, and they show up to a herf and they've got their cigars in a Ziploc, and I'm like, "Where's your, where's your travel case?" And like, I don't have, I don't have a travel case. It's like, really, you don't have a tra-? like? To me, that you know, that seems like an automatic first. Uh, but there's, I know tons of people that don't have cigar cases like that. And to me, that you know, like you said, I mean, gosh, you've got your five counts, you got your ten counts, you got your twenty counts, you got, like you can run the entire gamut all the way up to the suitcase size. And right, see. So there's the party size, you know, yeah. when Garrett's right. showing up, everyone's getting a cigar. That's right. <laughs> That's exactly right. But yeah, no, it's, it's a no brainer gift. Um, keeps your cigars protected, keeps them, uh, free. If they, especially, I guess, especially in Minnesota, this time of the year, there's going to be a little snow. You want to keep the snow off the cigars, off the accessories. And I, I gotta tell you, man, they're pretty bulletproof. Like you wouldn't think looking at it, that they're well built, uh, I've seen guys accidentally run over them with their car, uh, drop them off the table. Um, they're pretty, they're pretty resilient. Absolutely, no. And in these cases, uh, it's a Pelican style case. If you're familiar with that, they are waterproof. They float. Um, they're fantastic. 
they're they're really great. So this is you a great idea. You can paint them. You can yeah. put stickers on them. I you know, and if you're like, well, I think I've seen so and so that has a case like that. That doesn't matter. They can. No, I have. I have several, and um, yeah, and I love them all. So, yeah, I think I, I think I have like seven or eight cases now, maybe nine. Uh, I think I bought a set last Christmas for myself because it came with a cutter and a lighter and a bottle opener. Yeah. Accessory acquisition disease is a real thing. I mean, everyone talks about the amount of stuff that cigar smokers buy for cigars. Yeah. But accessory acquisition disease is a real thing. So one of the things that I like to educate uh, people who are buying a gift, no matter what time you year it is, is to really trust um, a good tobacconist. And obviously if somebody's coming to me locally, I have not only places that I can help send people that I know that have employees that are knowledgeable and will put together a good gift for uh, people. Now, if you are unfamiliar of, uh, you know, people in your area please feel free to reach out to me and I can point you in the direction of a, of a good retailer close to you. I'd be happy to do that. Um, but to trust those tobacconists and those people working in the cigar lounges to put together a, a package, you know, they loved, we love to do that. You know, um, another, just a little uh, package thing. Here's the cool part. Uh, most cigar shops have these empty cigar boxes some of them ask, you know, a couple bucks. Some of them just give them away because they have so many. But if if you are buying cigars, more than likely they'll give you away, um, you know, one of their empty boxes to put together a little a little kit. So if you didn't want to go the route of a travel humidor uh, to bring costs down a little bit, you know, just a few of the uh, accessories that cigar smokers always need. They'll always need to, you know replenish is these uh, Boveda packs. If you just give them, uh, you know, a Boveda pack, they'll always need uh, a butane of some kind. Always. Um, and, you know, there are tons of uh, lighters and different cutters that, you know, you get a lighter, a cutter, and this and you're in for 50 bucks, you know, so you get one of these. And the great thing about some of these brands, Calibri, Zycar, um, most of these come with a lifetime warranty. Uh, so they're great products. Um, and most of these shops, if you have an issue with any of the products, bring them back to the shop and, you know, uh, they're great about customer service and making sure that they'll either replace it or oftentimes they'll even send it in for you. So um, I want to kind of get the fear of going to the cigar shop and, and you not knowing what to get them. Um, you know, let the experts really kind of help guide that, that process for you. And it's, you know, it can be fun putting together a little package. Especially this time of the year, the tobacconists are pretty going to be pretty used to, speaking as a former tobacconist, uh, pretty used to people coming in and not having a clue. And, I mean, they do have a lot of training on how to, how to help you, and they are really looking to help you 
whatever budget you're trying to meet, they will help you meet yep. that budget. Uh, you know, they're going to ask you a bunch of questions, try to get a sense of what you're looking for and what, what kind of person you're they're buying for. There's going to be lots of options. I was just thinking uh, last Christmas, one of the things that I got, it seems really silly, but of all the toys and tools that I have, I didn't have a bleed and adjustment tool. Like I've got, I don't know mm. how many lighters now. I didn't own a single bleed or adjustment tool. And honestly, it's one of the most, right next to a draw tool, it's pretty much the most important tool to have because you got to be bleeding and adjusting your lighters between fills. And to be honest, I could probably have 50 of them and hand them out because most of the scar smokers I'm, I know also never think to buy it for themselves. Yeah, you're right. Can you tell us a little bit about what a, a bleed and adjustment tool is and what it does? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, you're going along, you got a lighter, it runs out of butane as it always happens at the worst possible time. And the instinct is just to refill it with butane when it runs out. Now, you can do that. However, most manufacturers recommend that you actually want to use a bleed tool. And what that does is the end here where you put the butane in, it gets rid of any air that's been trapped in there. Because every time you fill the lighter, there's some residual air either in the lighter or as a part of that filling process. So you'll, you'll oftentimes, and I hear this all the time online where a guy says, you know, I bought a lighter, or I got a lighter as a gift, I used it for six months, eight months, and then just stopped working on me. And I got to tell you, more often than not, especially as a former uh, tobacconist, I can't tell you the number of lighters that I fixed. And all I needed to do is take a little bleed tool, push it in there, and you'll hear, you'll hear the hiss. There's so much air trapped in there. Hiss, 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 until it's completely empty adjust it down from because uh, a lot of people turn them up too high and and that's also a problem now on, on mine uh this is a wonderful zycar product i've got this big adjustment knob but that's not always the case on a lot of lighters the adjustment knob is just this tiny little portion and you actually need a tool so you know a lot of times there's a tool that will both do an adjustment and do a bleeding for you it seems like such a silly thing such a simple thing but to be honest, it's an enormous part of my toolkit. Um, now I carry it everywhere I go. And, and more often than not, when I'm out at a herf, which is a gathering of people who smoke cigars, invariably someone says, hey, man, do you mind if I borrow your bleed tool? Because, you know, cigar lighters eventually run dry. And, uh, you know, guys guys and girls, they uh, tend not to want to borrow somebody else's lighter. It's, it's sometimes, I don't know, people feel weird about it, so they want to fill their own. Uh, so you give them the tool and then they can uh, purge it is what it's called, bleed it, and then uh, put some more butane in it and away you go. So yeah. wonderful little wonderful little gift idea. That's a, that's a great gift idea. Um, and most shops are going to carry all those accessories. Um, and it's just a, another one of those thoughtful things that your average person typically doesn't know about and a cigar smoker would really appreciate. And... Like you said, you can't have too many because I don't know how many of those I've lost over the years. Oh, know? yeah. And uh, so uh, great, great idea. Uh, you brought up another one, too, in that was a um, um, <laughs> another thought that me. Uh, a draw tool. Draw tool. Uh, draw tools are fantastic. Um, for those who don't know this is a handmade product and while there are cigars that rarely or maybe in my experience have never had an issue with drawing there are some that are more uh, prone to drawing especially cubans and 
by using a draw tool, what it does is it kind of bores a little hole and you pull it out and hopefully you only have to do that once and it frees up any of the, sometimes there's a little twist that happens in that rolling process that creates a, a blockage that doesn't give you good airflow. So a draw tool is a, another great um, accessory for any cigar smoker. I don't know about you, Gary, but I've also seen a lot of people use them when you're smoking a cigar. And there's a lot of people like to smoke a cigar way down, probably a lot further than I go. Uh, but it gets pretty hot. I mean, you you really, you can feel it on your fingers. Uh, so what they'll do is they'll actually take the draw tool and they'll put it into the side of the cigar. And they'll hold on to the remainder of the cigar with the draw tool. And it's a convenient way. It plugs the hole so there's no... Um, smoke being drawn out of the hole. Uh, but I see guys all the time, uh, they'll put the draw tool on the side and they, it's called nubbing it. Um, and they'll smoke it all the way down. And it, you know, it's a pretty versatile tool. Um, as you say, uh, sadly, uh, Cuban cigars tend to, uh, if, if you know someone who's a Cuban cigar smoker, you probably want to get them a draw tool. Uh, certainly with non-Cuban products, um, you know, it's rare that I have to use my tool. Yep. But that doesn't mean I don't have one. I absolutely always have one in my toolkit as well. Yeah, and uh, I'm sorry for going off camera a few times here. I'm uh, looking for our, uh, you know, our, I should say Matt's draw tool, and uh, he's got it somewhere else right now. But <laughs> uh, I was going to show you how that how that nubbing uh, tool works. But it's great for not only relieving a potentially uh, plugged cigar, but also getting when you get down to the nub it saves your fingers uh-huh. uh, it's a proverbial roach clip clip for the uh for the cigar for the cigar smoker it's a, it's a classy roach grip clip for the uh, cigar smoker it is and then i saw you pull up uh, yeah gotta have a cigar stand i and mean it's that. yeah so again such a so, you know and part of the reason we're talking about this is a lot of people don't think about these things but I mean, sure, I could sit here and hold my cigar all night, but there are times where I want to set my cigar down, or maybe it's windy, or maybe I'm eating and drinking and smoking, and if I've got a drink in this hand and I've got food in this hand, I need to do something with my cigar. I could set it on the edge of something, but we've all been there, set it on the edge of something, next thing you know, it gets knocked into an ashtray, it gets knocked on the ground, and... You know, there's a variety of different cigar stands. This one's fairly inexpensive. This is um, this is one that travels all over the world, but it flips down into a very handy. So in, in that case you were showing earlier, this yep. slides in there beautifully, and then it expands out. It's got a variety of different settings depending on how windy it is. And you can get these in, uh, in basically a thousand different variations. This is one of the more simple ones, but there's some really classy ones made of wood or... Um, you know, there's ones that are actually machined out of aluminum that I've seen that I think I own two or three of them. Um, and so, I mean, certainly you think of something like that and you're like, oh, you know, what is that? Two, three bucks. You can go all the way up to a hundred dollars or more on a cigar stand. And there's some yeah. like actual showroom pieces that yes. are out there. So absolutely. Yeah. There. Yeah. And another great gift idea that I've seen give given as gifts a lot. Those stands, um, I've been I've been great uh, grateful to get a few handmade stands from people, and that's another really cool crafty thing. If you're crafty, hey, that's a great you know. If you can think or come up with an idea for you know a little 
something for a cigar to stand on. You know, another. Uh, I've got one for you, Garrett. Here. Especially, uh, I'd imagine in Minnesota, because uh, there's a lot of hunting. So oh, yeah. what I see is uh, deer or elk antlers. And yeah. if you if you lop off the end of the antler, so you've got a spare antler or whatever, or it's broken off, you can turn that into a pretty amazing cigar stand. Um, and there's I know a few guys who do that every year when they go hunting. They bring the antlers back, and then they cut them into you know, 15, 20 handmade cigar stands, and they make for a phenomenal gift. That's a fantastic idea. Um, also, so let's talk about cigars um, mm. when we're giving gifts uh, uh, for cigars. Now, depending on the budget, if you know nothing about the person at all, and I'm coming to you, John, you know, you're working a humidor, and I say, you know, I want to give a couple decent cigars for my whatever, you know, how do you approach that conversation and what do you suggest? Well, before you get to the, to the store, just a little word of advice, help your local tobacconist sneak into your partner or friend's humidor. If you can snap some photos, we've all got cell phones on us mm-hmm. or, uh, you know, sneakily ask them what kind of cigars they smoke and write it down. It really helps your tobacconist because to be fair, you walk into a typical tobacconist, they might have, you know, 50, 70, 100, 200, 300 different facings of cigars, and yep. it can be pretty overwhelming. But if you can give them a sense of, you know, even one or two brands, the tobacconist is going to be sharp enough to say, you know, okay, John smokes the Drew Estate Undercrown Maduro. Okay, I already have a sense of, you know, based on that, we can either get him more Drew Estate Undercrowns or maybe we can branch out from that and get him something from another manufacturer that's in the same flavor ballpark. Um, yeah. And that gives him a good launching point because, you know, there are certainly a, a wide range of cigars out there and it, it, it can be overwhelming. And if you can give your tobacconist a little bit of a help, that would be great. If you can't, that's okay too. Again, you know, as a tobacconist, I'm going to ask a bunch of questions. I'm going to ask, you know, what, what brands do you typically see them smoke? Do they smoke typically one kind of cigar? Because there are a lot of guys and girls out there that, you know, it's not, it's not my thing. I like variety, but there's a lot of people out there that, you know, they like their Perdomos, they like their Fuentes, they like their mm-hmm. Drew Estates. That's all they smoke. That's like literally the one brand, and, and that's great information to know. Um, yeah. But you know, based on that, I'm going to branch out and, you know, try and either go into the lighter strength category, the middle strength category, even the heavier strength category. Uh, if as a tobacconist, if I'm going blind, I'm probably going into lower to middle strength category because, um, you know, typically it's the more experienced cigar smoker that will tend to, to smoke the, the fuller, uh, heavier cigars. Uh, and, you know, at the end of the day, your goal is not to give them something that, that maybe would be a little too much for them. Yep, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. And if you could even, uh, if you're in a position to steal a band or two mm. out of their smoking area, even absolutely. better. Um, but like John said, if, you know, taking some pictures, you know, if you can get, snap a couple pictures of their humidor, of their, their smoking area, um, you know, and again, they're going to ask a lot of questions. You know, if you don't have that information, then, you know, what do they like to drink? What do they like to eat? What do they, you know, so prepared, 
<clears throat> excuse me, be prepared to answer a lot of questions. A lot of questions um, if you don't have some of that information. But they, you know, they'll get there. They'll get there. I mean, again, you know, tobacconist is really just trying to ensure that you get the right gift idea and it's tailored to the person. Uh, you know, and keep in mind, they're, they're kind of going in blind. They don't know this person you're buying for. So, you know, they have to, in a very short period of time, especially when it's busy Christmas period, they have to get to know that person very, very quickly. Uh, John Lovell mentions the comment, great comment. Do they like spicy foods? Because there's a lot of people who do not like spicy foods. Top question. I love spicy food. I live for spice. So based on that, they go, okay, you know, maybe he'll like something with a little bit of pepper in it, maybe a little bit of baking spice. Um, You know, that probably tells them that their palate can handle something a little bit more mas intenso. Um, But, you know, if they say, you know, no, you know, how does he like his coffee? Does he drink coffee? Does he like cream in his coffee? You know, that tells a lot of things to the tobacconist. Yep, absolutely. So, those are all the you know typical questions that a tobacconist is going to approach that conversation with. So just be prepared for that um, when when doing cigars. But you know if again going back to all the accessories and all if if it's a cigar smoker and they're an aficionado, you know quote unquote, they're going to love all the toys. Absolutely you know, can't go wrong there. So if, if if buying a cigar is, you know, you're not sure what they smoke, going with the accessory pack is a, a perfect uh, gift idea for, uh, 100%. for a cigar smoker. Awesome. Well, you know, any other ideas around uh, gifting for um, gifting help for uh, people who are looking to purchase something? hundred percent. So you can see that I'm definitely kitted out for the cold weather. Uh, think about, think about, I think you guys call them knit caps. We call them toques, but, uh, you can see I'm wearing a very, very stylish, uh, well, you can't actually buy this. You have to weasel this. Um, but you know, a really nice, comfortable toque comes, uh, comes in handy. And you know, one thing that's often overlooked is really good smoking gloves. Now I've got a pair of uh, Carhartt gloves here, which are more for the, uh, you know, down to about 40 degrees freedom thereabouts, for, you know, 40 to 60 degrees freedom. These are good. If I go colder than that, I'm going to need something a little bit more insulated with Thinsulate. And, you know, I can't tell you, great gift because I probably burn through a pair of gloves every two seasons. Um, you know, invariably I get ash on them. I burn a hole through them. Mm-hmm. Um, so I often need you know, one pair for the mild weather. And then I've got my other pocket here. I've got my, you know, much more intense, uh, warmer gloves when it gets, you know, really cold and the snow starts falling. Um, but you, you wouldn't think of that as an ex- a cigar accessory very much is a cigar accessory. Yeah. Especially for those who are in uh, Canada and the Northern States of the U S uh, smoking gloves and, and hat, you know, great gift idea. Um, and if you're, uh, also, for those in the northern period, northern states and Canada, the mini cigar tins, uh, another great idea because a lot of times you don't have time to smoke, you know, a large full size cigar, and you know, enjoying one of those little minis is is perfect. Um, and yeah, if your uh, person you're buying for likes to smoke in their automobile, I wish I had that. Uh that freedom i do not but if i did 
Uh, one thing that's really handy to have, because cars don't come with ashtrays anymore, is a little portable cigar ashtray. There's a number of different manufacturers that make them. I know Zycar makes Zycar a pretty makes slick a one. one. Um, it's got a little flip-out lid. Again, seems like such a silly thing, but it's got a little stand in there that you can put your cigar in so you know, you're driving safe, being safe, not dropping a cigar on your lap. Uh, and it keeps the ashes contained to the, to the container. And then when you get where you're going, you can take the container out of the vehicle, empty it, and it doesn't stink up the car with, with uh, ashes. Um, so that's a really nice thing for, uh, you know, like I said, people who have that freedom to smoke in their vehicle. Yeah, and there's also there's other car accessories too. There's a company. What, um, Whiff out. Whiff out. Whiff out mm-hmm. is a fantastic. Uh, I've got it in my car, and it's magical. It is magical. The how it pulls the the scent of cigars out of your car. It's like a uh, car scent. Um, it's almost like Febreze on steroids for yeah. cigar smokers. It's fantastic. So check out Whiff Out as another uh, great gift idea for those who do smoke in the car. And now I have a really uh, out there idea, and this is this is really more for the partners of cigar smokers. And and I have a partner who doesn't particularly like cigar smoking or the smell of cigars. Yeah. Uh, there's a product called Smart Mouth out there, and uh, mm. if you've if you've ever tried to get rid of cigar breath, if you've had a bunch of cigars, it can be really tough to get rid of cigar breath. Uh, you can pick it up in any CVS or any uh, you know. Uh, grocery stores most grocery stores carry it it's called smart mouth it's an activated mouthwash and i got to tell you garrett uh in all my time smoking i've never found a product that can knock out cigar breath like smart mouth uh it's a single single pour it's got two slots on it um and it will absolutely knock out cigar breath in the evening i usually do it you know before i go to bed and then once in the morning and completely knocks out cigar breath interesting and uh, can you find that on Amazon or there? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Amazon, um, any, like I said, any, um, any, uh, you know, uh, local CVS or, or pharmacy will have it on the shelf. They, they, they have toothpaste as well. Toothpaste is, works really well for travel. So I always, you know, sure. when I'm traveling around the world, I take the toothpaste a little bit easier in the liquid. Um, but if I could just auto order smart, smart mouth to my house, I would. Um, because like I said, it's, it's near magic. It takes my partner from not wanting to come anywhere near me to she'll actually kiss me on the mouth after, after I use smart mouth. So, uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a good one. I think we got another, uh, pretty awesome, uh, suggestion from the comment box there. Mm-hmm. You want to talk about Gaia Barra's? Yeah. Gaia Barra. Gaia Barra. I don't know much about Guy Berra. All right. I, I can oh, talk loads it. about Guy Berras. Take it. All right. So a Guy Berra is really a classy, I mean, cigar smoking, I think is pretty classy, but it, it classes things up a little bit. Now you wouldn't want to be wearing a Guy Berra this time of the year, but when it gets warmer in the summertime, you're out smoking in the heat or humidity, depending on if you're, you know, Southern United States. Guy Berras are uh, a really beautifully handcrafted cigar shirt now what makes them a cigar shirt is a couple different things they have a number of different pockets so they've got typically uh, two pockets on the chest and then two pockets at the waist uh, and that's for carrying cigars up here and then your accessories down here Um, they tend to have some really nice lines in them so uh, I can't tell you the number of times that I've worn a Gaia Bear out to a cigar dinner if I've been traveling 
to the DR, Nicaragua, Cuba. Um, you know, they're really, really nice. Believe it or not, the way they're designed, uh, I think the knit actually tends to repel cigar smoke quite well. So versus a cotton shirt, which tends to, I find, really, really absorb smoke, um, it's a really classy gift, especially if you know the person's size. You can get a, a variety of different uh, styles. They've got short, uh, uh, short sleeve, long sleeve, uh, different colors, different cuts. You can get uh, really high-end, expensive ones for, you know, if literally going out for a really classy dinner. And I probably own, I want to say, eight or nine different Gaiaberas. Um, and I typically pack them all when I'm traveling for cigar-related stuff. And uh, typically, though, you can get them in a cotton. I think most guy bearers are uh, coming a linen. And the, again, the advantage of a linen is that uh, in the in the hot and humid weather, uh, it's really fantastic for keeping that uh, keeping that heat and humidity out of out of your uh, out of your skin. That and um, I learned something new, and that's hey, I love it. Killer uh, suggestion, John. Thank you. Yeah, thanks for that, John. That's great. And if you uh, saw the little page that I, I shared up there, uh, Guyabera is uh, G-U-A-Y-A-B-E-R-A. And uh, there is no shortage of uh, options when you hit the Googler. I have a, I have a Fuente Guyabera that I picked up at the uh, Rocky Mountain Cigar Festival. I saw it thinking of you. And I was like, oh, man, you know, I, I got to have it. I got to have it. It's just one of those special guy bears that I carry, if you know, if we're doing a Fuente night or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, to me, if somebody bought me a guy bear for, uh, for, my, for Christmas or for my birthday, I would be over the moon. Me too. <laughs> See, now it. you have a gift idea that you can put on, I, your, on your wish list. Now I do. That's Absolutely. Right. Uh, and again, you guys, if, uh, if you have loved ones who are struggling with knowing what to buy you, just send them the link to the show afterwards. Front part of the show is going to be about this. And then we're going to nerd out here, uh, in just a few minutes, but, um, uh, some great, great gift ideas. And if you guys have any great gift ideas, please leave them in the comments and, uh, we'll be sure to, to get those, uh, up and rocking. Um, all right. I think we covered a good, good amount of, uh, of Christmas ideas. And, I think, uh, I think if you can't come away with a gift idea from that segment, uh, I think you're, I think you're, uh, you're not listening. You're not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. All right. Well, Hey, let's, uh, let's get into uh, nerd talk. Let's do it. And John, talk to us about kind of your origin story and a little bit of uh, developing palettes and how that came about. Gosh, how much time do you have? Um, so I got started, boy, oh boy, I think it was about 2012. And uh, I was just a cigar smoker like everybody else. Um, and I've got a weird memory. Um, I can remember a lot of things really, really well. Uh, I have a really tough time remembering other things. And one of the things I have a tough time remembering is when I'm drinking, when I'm smoking, I found a really tough time remembering the flavor notes of what I was smoking or drinking. So a good friend of mine said, Hey, just, just start writing it down. Uh, so I literally started keeping a cigar journal. Uh, and from there, the cigar journal, I uh, had a buddy and he read them and said, uh, Hey, you know, these are, these reviews are actually pretty good. You should start publishing them. Uh, started my own cigar site, uh, called, um, 
gosh, I don't even remember now. Something something with Ash in the title. Long Ash, Fat Ash. Small, I don't remember. It's, it's, it's a long time ago. Uh, I was only around for, uh, I want to say, eight or nine months. And uh, my agreement was, listen, I'll do the reviews. I enjoy the creative part of it. As a technology guy, I do not want to manage the site. I've got enough on my plate. Thanks. I don't, I don't, you know, like when you do technology as a job or have done technology as a job, yep. I don't, I don't want to do it. You know, I do a lot of other technical things. I don't need that headache. Unfortunately, got to a point where he couldn't manage the site anymore. So I was, I was literally weeks away from just turning in my review badge and being done. Uh, and I got picked up by Cigar Federation. Uh, so this would have been early 2013. Uh, so I was with Cigar Federation for, oh gosh, a really, really, really long time. Uh, I want to say five years, um, really great five years. And then they went through some ownership changes and that looked to me like a good time to change gears. Uh, and some good, I mean, we're all kind of good friends in the industry. I mean, all of us, you know, we're pretty tight knit media group. Uh, and Aaron Loomis and June Liu from Developing Palettes, who I've known for many, many years, uh, Aaron had actually been uh, after me for some time. He said, you know, it's, you should really come aboard because what we really need is another panel member. So I came aboard Developing Palettes, I think right around January of 2018. Uh, that sounds about right to me, 2018. And so I've been doing Developing Palettes ever since. So I've done... You know, I've done the video side of things. I've done uh, the shows. I've done uh, Partagas Festival in in Havana, uh, going all the way back to 2013, actually, almost every year. Um, and then, of course, you know, as I'm doing tonight, have done a number of different shows. Uh, I launched the first, I believe, pairing show for spirits, uh, well, alcohol really, and cigars called uh, Sharing Our Pairings, which is still uh, being carried today. Love those guys. And, uh, of course, I do the reviews, as I was talking about at the top. Uh, this is this is, this is is the time of the year where we're all kind of scrambling to get our cigars in for Cigar of the Year. Uh, yeah. So I'm certainly trying to do that for developing palates as we try to, try to make that cutoff. Yeah, how is that going for you? Well, uh, you know, some days are better than others. Uh, depends on what I'm reviewing. Uh, we had a we had a good chuckle last weekend because uh, coincidentally, both June and I decided to do a double header on Benoist to me, uh, and it was it was one of those times where unfortunately, uh, both cigars were a bit of a letdown. Um, so you kind of have, you know, like basically a Saturday where you start in the morning and then do it in an afternoon. And that's about right for me. You know, two, three cigars in a day is probably my, my normal cap unless I'm in, in Cuba or Nicaragua or whatever. Um, so at the end of it, I was like, boy, that was a, that was kind of a letdown of a smoking day. And we actually got talking about that during one of the reviews of one of the live segments we were doing. And June had the exact same experience with the exact same cigars. And I said, well, you know, it's it's kind of nice that you got to experience that along with me. That's, you know, every cigar can't possibly be a winner. Um, there's a lot of brands out there and, and, to, and everyone's got different tastes. So it just happened that uh, June and I's palate tends to align most of the time. Uh, and we happen to land on the same cigars that day. So it's kind of kind of funny how that worked out. That is funny. Yeah, I, <clears throat> you know, and this has been a weird year anyway, um, where we didn't get <clears throat> all of the releases uh, mm. that, you know, we're probably scheduled to come out. Um, 
and I mean, the, the big show didn't happen, which, you know, usually brings about, you know, a bunch of cigars and, yeah. you know, so this has been a weird year anyway, um, <laughs> over the last couple of weeks, I've been looking at my list of, you know, the 2020 releases of cigars and it's, um, I mean, it's only our second year in media, but already this year is at least, I want to say it's, you know, half the cigars to, so in some, in some ways it makes it easier. In some ways it makes it more difficult, Yeah. uh, you know, to get that top 10 list or to get the cigar of the year. So, well, I mean, on a personal note, not having any of the trade shows, uh, personally, I mean, obviously it's pretty impactful in the industry, but personally it's a huge bummer because being all the way up here in Canada, as I'm sure you can imagine, getting cigars up here, very, very challenging. And that's kind of a critical time of the year. Uh, and there's kind of a funny story related to that, but I really rely on going to the trade show to get cigars for review so that I'm, I'm essentially set for the next six to eight months because it is extremely difficult and sometimes extremely expensive to get cigars up here to review. Um, and I, I mean, I can tell you the trade show has come up against uh, weddings before, uh, that I've said, look, uh, I can't, I can't come to the wedding. The trade show comes first. Um, because you know, without that trade show, without those samples, I'm basically dead in the water till, uh, till the next year. So kind of a big deal. So for you to get cigars in Canada, what does that look like? (laughs) Well, first of all, let's see if there's any, uh, Canadian border and services agents listening to the show tonight. Um, the, uh, the challenge of course, is that we have extremely high tobacco taxes in Canada. I think, you know, probably top five in the world. Uh, we don't, we don't hold a torch to Australia, but we're getting there. So it's really, really difficult. You can, I mean, obviously I absolutely recommend supporting your local tobacconist. However, uh, I'm like many people in cigar media, it is not my full-time job. Uh, I do not make a fortune doing cigar media. Uh, so I rely on, you know, review samples in a lot of cases. We do buy now most of our product. Um, but if I go into my local store, the price that I'm paying to, to pick up a cigar for review is typically, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of three to five times what the retail value would be in the United States. So that becomes a pretty non-plussed thing right out of the gate. So if you want to send me something in the mail, well, guess what? Canadian Border Services are going to open that package going to take a look and say oh what do we have here we have some tobacco products time to send mr mctavish a little bill in the mail along with his selection of cigars and sometimes that bill uh is definitely in the triple digits yeah yeah i know our brothers in australia they certainly feel that um they feel that pain as well uh so do you uh do you get many packages under the radar? Uh, all of my packages come in under the radar. Um, okay. So, so then, I mean, the nice thing about me traveling, especially being a Canadian, is typically in a year, I'd be down in the U.S., you know, anywhere from three to six times in a year. And every time I come back, I can bring, uh, duty-free, I can bring 50. I can actually bring more than 50 and then just depending on my negotiation skills, negotiate the how much I want to pay at the at the airport when I come back. And that's typically the route I've gone in the past. The shipping a package to me 
is a much, much riskier uh, endeavor because they could bill me. They could seize the package, which I've done on, on occasion. Uh, so there's a lot of outcomes, and all of them, for the most part, are bad. So, uh, you know, we've been scrambling a little bit in the New World Order since, uh, really since, gosh, first quarter of this year. Um, we had to start doing that when we ran out of uh, cigars to review. So, um, you know, big credit to Aaron Loomis, uh, who's worked very, very hard uh, in making sure that I have cigars, that I can keep up with the reviews. Um, and, you know, thanks to all the manufacturers. We, we, we have partnered with um, Corona Cigar Company. Love Jeff. Uh, love his stores. Uh, he's been really, really great for developing palettes because we've picked up a lot of uh, cigars there. Uh, we've got a store out of Wisconsin, Lake Country, that we go to as well. There's a few different stores we go to try and spread the love around. Um, so Aaron's Aaron's job is to sort of source, source the cigars and then uh, figure out uh, whether it's balloon or submarine how uh, how best to get those up to Canada. <laughs> I love it. Now, um, last week we had on John Strange, who's in the UK. I saw that. And John just let me know the other day that if he has cigars sent to him from either Nicaragua or Mexico or Honduras, there are no uh, duty taxes. Do you have, is there anything like that for you <laughs> if it can come directly from Nicaragua or they're just like, oh, that's tobacco, you're getting hit? Yeah. So uh, I live in the part of the, the part of Canada where tobacco is absolutely a no fly. Uh, I can get bottles of booze sent to me and because our alcohol taxes are, you know, very, very low, somebody could ship me a bottle of bourbon and I can just pay the, uh, essentially what amounts to the sales tax, which is you know, nothing really, right. uh, but tobacco tax, um, the government is getting their pound of flesh and, uh, they're very eager to get it. Now, if I travel East, uh, which often I'll do, especially if I'm going down to another country, Cuba, Nicaragua, many times I'll fly through Toronto. Uh, Toronto tends to be a little more forgiving because of their close nature to, um, uh, to New York, uh, and, yeah, New York, New York, Michigan. Um, Detroit. They, yeah. So because they're so close to the border, people can go across the border and pick up stuff and come back. So they've actually had to pull back their tobacco tax as a result of that. So the tobacco tax is a little bit less there. However, they view alcohol a lot more aggressively than we do in the West. So hmm. it's kind of a reversal of fortune there. The alcohol is what will get you snagged at uh, border services there versus tobacco where most of the time it's just a conversation and you just kind of figure it out. So it's not, not sure. tends not to be a big deal. Now in the States we have uh, lobbyists like CRA and the trade shows that put in a lot of money and things to battling to keep our cigars. Is there anything like that in Canada? We, um, we did have an initiative, a uh, really great initiative from, uh, some retailers in Ontario and Quebec uh, and parts of Western Canada that got together to fight plain packaging, um, which was announced, uh, gosh, a little bit, little bit over two years ago now. Um, I'm a little bit more of a cynic being an older guy. I know I don't look it, but I'm, a, I'm an older guy. 
I've been around the block a few times. I kind of read the writing on the wall with that one. Uh, I certainly supported their initiative. However, eventually, eventually what ended up happening was plain packaging went through, kind of expected, uh, which you can have some pretty negative impacts on the tobacco industry as a whole here. But that was really the only organized uh, effort that I've seen in Canada because a, I think they realize when the, when the government makes up their mind, we, we just there's no lobby group that's going to be able to change the mind. And B, you know, a lot of these efforts really that ship sailed back in the '90s, uh, and it's your chances of overturning any of that or even resisting any of that are pretty much slim to none. So, you know, really important to support your CRA, support your, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if you're not a CRA member. I mean, and I preach it every show I go on, man, like you do not want the Canadian system coming to you. And if you watch some of the publications, some of the media publications, I can't, Garrett, I don't think there's a day that goes by where I don't see a park ban, a beaches ban, uh, you know, okay, well, there's an indoor smoking ban, but we'll, we'll exempt you for now, uh, in you know every county, every city, every state, and like, and I mean Texas, Florida, everywhere. Um, so it's really important that you support those initiatives because uh, there are constantly groups working hard to make sure that cigar smokers cannot enjoy a cigar product as an adult. Yeah, cigarrightsofamerica.org. Uh, they make it super easy to sign up, and um, they'll even have petitions right there on their on their site that you can sign and submit to your local representatives they've done all the work for you and um, please go be a member it's a fantastic organization and if you know canada and australia and the uk aren't examples of why we should have a lobbyist group like this i don't know what is uh uh, really go and uh, support those to continue to keep uh, this culture uh, growing and, um, and you know, out from under the thumb of government. Preach it. Mm. Mm, mm, mm. Stay at our humidors. That's right. So if a tree falls in the woods and no one is around to hear it, does a Canadian still apologize? Not only do they apologize to the tree, they apologize to anyone who may or may not have been offended by the tree falling in the forest. And they might even take on personal ownership of going in there and replanting that tree because, you know, you have to take ownership of the forest. Only Canadians will apologize for walking into a wall. That is a thing that I can't tell you the number of times I've personally done that and or witnessed other perhaps inebriated people also do. Yeah, it was so funny. I So I uh, worked for a company that had an office in uh, London, Ontario, and uh, worked there for a couple of weeks uh, doing a project. And in the States, when people would pass you in the hallway, if, you know, you had to move, it was, you know, here in the States, we say, excuse me. Mm-hmm. In Canada, it's sorry. Mm-hmm. It's, 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 an, it's an oft misunderstood um, phrase. I think, you know, Canadians, we understand it based on the context. Right. It is a catch-all. You know, it can mean, uh, hey, you know, pardon me. It can mean, I'm sorry that happened to you. you know, like, I'm offering condolences. 
we can also use it and very often do as a sarcastic, uh, you know, screw you, buddy. Uh, uh, you know, in fact, I think when people think of the, you know, the Canadian sorry, right. uh, sorry is actually the, uh, the sarcastic, cynical, I'm not actually, sorry, not sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. And so with where Canada is and where with where you're at with cigars, have you ever considered moving to the States? <laughs> Every day, uh, <laughs> especially when we get into October, November, um, you know, I'd be... I mean, I'd I'd be more than happy. I think my wife is absolutely on board at this point. Um, you know, uh, nice nice little place in California. Uh, we've talked about Austin before. Um, you know, I I would be more than happy. The the challenge, of course, is that even before the current environment in the United States, it's actually quite challenging for someone uh, outside the United States to get a working visa in the United States. You have to prove that your Skills are specifically. We got a we got a remark from uh, comment from Skip Martin, and, and he he might think I'm just shining him on, but uh, I was quite serious. Austin would be a fantastic place to move to. Austin, um, in very many ways, actually reminds me of kind of Alberta uh, and and Calgary, just sort of except a much cooler place that has a lot more uh, culture than Calgary does. Um, but I digress. Uh, yeah, it's really tough for someone outside of the United States. Like I would have to have, and I do have skills that are unique, uh, but you have to be able to demonstrate that in such a way that allows you to do that. And typically, I think the way that that works is you actually have to have corporate sponsorship. So the corporation essentially has to say, look, we need this worker. Uh, this guy has XYZ skills. We can't hire anyone here who has those skills. They have to come work here. And that sort of starts that process of naturalizing you as an American citizen. Uh, it's not easy. Um, I've certainly looked into it on more than one occasion. Uh, and I would certainly take a position in the cigar industry uh, I've certainly been on the threshold in the past of having a position potentially in the cigar industry, but never quite worked out. Always tough being a Canadian. Well, maybe uh, <clears throat> maybe Skip has thrown out uh, some feelers to uh, sponsor the Tavishes. Always, always a fan of Weasel Team 6. Uh, look right. what we got here. We talked about this in the green room. Yeah. I got a little intemperance on standby here. I wasn't sure how long the show was going to go. Uh, I've been saving this intemperance because, uh, you know, we're talking about cigars. Uh, this is a particular product that is, you know, easy to get in the States, extremely tough to get up up to me here in Canada. Um, he's, oh my gosh, he's, he's talking in science, science yeah. degrees. Uh, what's, what's that letter? So that is Celsius. That is, C is for science. Well, um, so it's, what? Uh, 12C is like, uh, 50? Low, low to mid 50s, yeah. It's, no. that's, I mean, for Austin, Texas, 12 degrees, I mean, that's the, that's really? apocalypse level. I don't even think they own jackets there, do they? No, I don't know. They're not allowed. No. Uh, now, we, we would call that, uh, flip-flops, uh, and shorts weather, 12 degrees. Right. I mean, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, thoughts and prayers, Skip. 54, there we go, yeah. Low to mid 50s. Uh, for, for those who are watching the show right now and are curious, my parka, it's not actually that cold. Uh, it's just that when you sit outside in the cold for an extended period of time, 
and you're not moving as you know we cigar smokers tend not to it can really get to you so it's actually quite balmy for, especially for december 8th um it's like 41 degrees 42 degrees freedom here right now that is balmy for december um normally if i was just out here having a cigar this would this would probably be light jacket and maybe um insulated pants weather so yeah i mean that's, I'm, I'm happy absolutely we're reaching hard for, I, I, even here in uh minnesota we got up to 43 degrees today which Woo. yeah it's cooking and even uh, so tomorrow it may get to 50 which i mean it's unheard of we um not that it's a contest because it, it definitely isn't when it comes to cold weather uh we set a over 200 year record uh two days ago it was 61 degrees here which i mean we've had some pretty wackadoodle weather in the past but 61 degrees in december i mean 200 year record gives you a sense of just how wackadoodle right. that is um i'll take it i mean don't yeah. get me wrong yeah. i'm I'm outside, I'm smoking, 61, take it while you can. Yeah, and for, you know, the people that live in, you know, Florida and, you know, all the bottom states and get to enjoy your cigars year-round, um, you just don't get it, hmm. you know, what we have to go through and endure to be able to enjoy our premium cigars year-round. But I'm well, sure... You know, the the humid states, they have an opposite problem uh, during the summer months, you know, of being too humid. Because even yeah. there's, <clears throat> I would say that there's a good three, four week period here where it is so humid. Yeah. You go outside and your cigars start to explode. Yeah. <clears throat> you know. Yeah. Now that being said, I have to have to tell you the number of times I've gotten into some heated debates about whether it's better to be too hot or too cold. And I think oftentimes what happens is you take somebody who, you know, they talk about heat. I mean, you, you know, high 90s or low 100s or even, you know, 108 or whatever and high humidity. That's that's pretty oppressive. However, until you've tried to light up a cigar in minus 30 or lower freedom, and I'm talking freedom degrees, because at that point, it just doesn't matter anymore. Doesn't Celsius matter. and freedom becomes you, the same. Right. You, you can't smoke You can't smoke in that weather. You literally can't. I mean, I've done it, because I'm right. a crazy person. Right. But, you know, really below minus 15 freedom, Yeah. it's just, it's not, it's not. And so, you know, we talk about the sort of range of cold weather. Um, the range of cold weather from October here to April is a lot more oppressive, I think, than, you know, the two months that uh, Florida Florida and New York and, you know, a uh, few different places get really, really, really crappy weather. Yeah. Um, but the rest of the year, yeah, you can sit outside and smoke. You're fine. You'll be fine. Are you a uh, ice fisherman or a fisherman at all? Uh, I've been known to cast a fishing rod, um, but unfortunately where I am, uh, it's pretty landlocked. Um, most of the fishing you do here would be fly fishing. Mm -hmm. Um, so I really don't get out fly fishing. Uh, you know, there's really no lakes here in, uh, Southern Alberta, a lot of lakes in Northern Alberta, but you'd have to, you'd have to basically tow your boat out to either BC or Saskatchewan, um, which has, you know, a million lakes, um, to, to do any kind of real boating, real fishing. I don't, I don't, you know, no offense to the uh, fly fishermen out there. It's just, to me, fly fishing, I like being in a boat, man. There's something about being out on the water, mm -hmm. you know. 
Absolutely. How about you? Yeah, I uh, I fish all year round. Um, this is kind of the lull period where most of the lakes haven't froze over yet. Hmm. But I would say uh, typically by this time, um, ice is starting to get safe. Um, mm-hmm. But in the lower part of Minnesota, uh, we still don't have ice out on yeah. most of our lakes in the Twin Cities area. Northern Minnesota, by the border, it's already iced out. People actually, the uh, the big popular lake in northern Minnesota, Red Lake, the sheriff's department uh, issued a traffic warning on Twitter because there were so many people trying to get some ice fishing done because yeah. none of the lower lakes were frozen or safe enough yet that too many people were coming up and they had to say, hey, you know, uh, call your resort, call the, you know, and make sure that there's a spot available uh, yeah. for you because it is just so packed. So that's how crazy people get about uh, ice fishing around here. Have, so, have you ever, have you ever gone in? Have you ever gone in the water in sub, sub freezing temperatures? Oh yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's happened, uh, you know, a few times, nothing where I was close to hypothermia. Right. Typically just, I mean, you get, if, um, I would say, you know, probably on average once or twice a year, you get at least a boot Yeah, in, in the, in the, you know, lake, either you're, um, positioning your house and you accidentally step on a hole that was cut previously by somebody yep. else that isn't quite safe yet. Um, but, um, I've been totally submerged. I want to say two or three times. It's uh it's an eye-opening experience. I think you when you get submerged in, you know, f- near freezing or even sub-freezing temperatures, it really gives you an eye-opening as to why people can die very quickly. Absolutely. Very quickly. Yeah. And if anybody has done like the polar plunge type situation, mm-hmm. um, you know, there's a lot of fundraisers that happen, you know, in the northern states for different organizations where they'll have you know cut out the ice and people jump in and um go to a warming house that if you've done that you kind of get a sliver of what it's like yeah because when you're not expecting it it's a whole nother situation of panic and yeah you your body physically you lose your breath it is such a shock to your system especially when your face gets gets in it your body's just, and you can't breathe. Yeah. It's scary. Yeah, it's not. It's not a fun experience. I think. I think um, Bear Gryllis was in Manitoba, and I think it was the only time Bear Gryllis has ever had to be rescued from a Bear Gryllis adventure because he was out there in the winter time, and uh, his gloves got wet. I think, uh, and he couldn't get a fire started, and he was like, "I, I need to get called out because he's like I." will die. And mm-hmm. I think hypothermia was actually starting to set in. And I was like, yeah, that's, I mean, you can die in the desert without water and you will die in the desert without water. Yeah. But you drop in a, in a Northern latitude, cold weather place. You could, you could be dead in 45 minutes. No joke. Sure. Like it's so, you know, in terms of the hot weather versus cold weather, I will always take the hot weather over the cold weather, no matter how humid it is, no matter how oppressive it is. I can always find a way to light up a cigar. Agreed. 
All right. Well, let's move into uh, this week's smokabulary word. Nice. And as always, smokabulary is brought to you by AJ Fernandez. Born and raised in Cuba, AJ Fernandez now produces unparalleled premium cigars in Esteli, Nicaragua. The day-to-day operations at Tabacalera AJ Fernandez are managed under the watchful eye of Mr. AJ Fernandez himself in order to ensure superior quality. The AJ Fernandez portfolio of premium cigars provides blends, strength, and flavor profiles to match the preferences of any premium cigar consumer. Whether it's New World, Dias de Gloria, San Latano, Enclave, or Bayas Artes, you are sure to, f- to be satisfied with a premium cigar from AJ Fernandez. All right, and the smokabulary word is barber pole. Now, nice. John, when you think of barber pole, what do you think of? You know, I'll be honest, the and, and, and this might get me lit up a little bit, but my initial instinct is I go gimmick. That's, that's kind of where my gut goes to is, you know, barber poles – uh, in the past, you know, certainly I don't think in the current, in the current state of cigar industry, I think most cigar make makers who come up with a barber pole, uh, typically are in a boutique situation. So they put a lot more craft into it, but you know, you think about eight, 10 years ago, a lot of the barber pole cigars that were out there, they're really gimmicky cigars. Um, they're pretty, but they really didn't, I don't think smoke particularly well, at least for my, my palate. Uh, this was the, the cigar I actually started the show with. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. That's right. Uh, Fuente puts this one out every year. Uh, it is called In Between the Lines. It is delicious. Um, so if if you are in the area of a Fuente dealer, I recommend going out now and getting one of these before they are gone. Um, I wouldn't consider them rare, but it is a annual release that they do. And um, it's a great barber pole. It's one of those that, you know, is not gimmicky. It is delicious. Um, but what is a barber pole? Uh, yeah, go ahead, John. Yeah, I was going to say, um, <clears throat> I mean, barber poles typically at its most basic level is just combining two different types of wrappers. Uh, and you can, barber pole, you can do in a variety of different styles. So that's what I would call a more traditional barber pole in terms of the application perhaps not the uh the the shape of the cigar because that's unique but typically you know you can get barber poles that are two wrappers i've seen barber poles uh you know skips skips in the chat so he's a great example um yep. he's done some pretty fancy barber poles with a third strip in there sometimes a fourth strip yep. um so you can get you can get pretty craft with uh some of the bar- barber poles that are out there but i think the intent is to try and give you uh, two vastly different profiles from the wrapper and it, it does change up as you smoke through it. Cause you'll get, you know, different components of those wrappers coming together, which is, it's kind of fun. It is fun. Um, it's, you know, we eat with our eyes and we smoke with our eyes sometimes. And, you know, like you mentioned at the beginning of that, it, it, um, it's gimmicky until it's not, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, the, the ones that do it right are, you know, really, you know, the market will dictate what, what a barber pole will, will stick. And, you know, people are pretty quick to get on either a bandwagon or say, yeah, that, that just, that didn't hit. So, 
that is this week's Smokabulary, brought to you by AJ Fernandez. And now it is our favorite segment, which is Numero de los Muertos. De los Muertos. All right. So, Numero de los Muertos is brought to us by Oveja Negra Brands. They bring you, bring you premium smoking experiences forged from tobacco, time, and talent. Comprised of Black Label Trading Company, Black Work Studio, Dissonant, and Emilio, Oveja Negra Brands provide smokers uncompromising blends renowned for their flavor and lasting impression. Oveja Negra, where art and tobacco collide. Join the flock. Visit ovejanegracigars.com to learn more. All right, John and viewers. This week, the number is 16 in Canada. 16 Not in Canada. Every year from this. How many, how many, um, do I get to ask any questions? Is there oh, any yeah, details? This is like a 20 questions. <laughs> 20 <type of> questions. <clears throat> All right. Is it uh, is it related to animal attacks? It is not. It is not related to animal attacks. Man, that just cut off a whole section. Um, <laughs> is it is it unique to a particular province in 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 Canada, or is it across Canada? No, it is across Canada, and actually, it's, Canada. it's global, but its biggest numbers are in Canada. So there's some good there's some good guests in there, and uh, Skip actually uh, listed one of the both hilarious and terrifying ones, which is moose right. attacks. Yeah. You really can't appreciate uh, seeing the. <laughs> uh, so I sure hope there's not 16 Zamboni accident deaths a year. Um, that would be. Probably a national tragedy in Canada, um, but moose attacks, man, I'll tell you, a 1,200-pound animal running at you, yeah. uh, it's no joke. I mean, people talk about bear attacks. It's the moose attacks you got to watch out for. Uh, John Lovell, sir, go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say, yeah, moose attacks, absolutely. Uh, up in the boundary waters of, you know, between Minnesota and Canada, I've run into moose, and uh, you cannot appreciate the size and the swimming ability of Oh, moose. yeah. You, you know they move like hippos through the water it's, it's nuts. crazy yeah. yeah uh they can move in water i remember the first time canoeing seeing a moose on um on, on the bank on the mm-hmm. canada side and you know we were all just like oh look at that and it was a big bull and it's just amazing and he was like yeah i don't want you here and he mm-hmm. came into the water and the speed that he was coming towards the canoe we were like, oh, my gosh. And it was crazy. So yeah. um, here, so I'm going to say <laughs> something here. Skip is almost close. Oh, all right. Um, John Lovell had a really good guess, which is Avalanche. I actually think it's more than 16, John, because um, in Alberta alone, uh, during the ski season, we probably have – eight or 10 people in the province of Alberta that die from avalanches, either by skiing or, uh, ice, ice climbing. Um, I know in British Columbia, because they got a lot more skiing there. I bet it's, I bet it's an even dozen, maybe even 20 people. So I bet the avalanche number in Canada is probably close to 30 or 40. So go ahead. 
No, I, I did Avalanche for one of them and included North America, which includes the U.S. and Canada. And um, again, uh, Skip continues to add great guesses. Those are great guesses. Yep. So, so, now, so now that we've kind of narrowed it into uh, the, the national drink of Canada, which is maple mm-hmm. syrup, uh, can we say it is, it is food-related? No, you can't actually. I can't. Mm-mm. Okay. Um, it, it's uh, it's by nomenclature only is the association. Okay. Um, okay. I know it's not uh, it's not going to be uh, death drinking alcohol because uh, you know we can handle our booze, but at the same time, there's there's probably a lot of people dying from alcohol. Um, it's not an animal attack. Uh, is it is it related to water in any way? It is not. Not related to water. I'm gonna I'm gonna give a clue. All right. Uh, that this is something that is most prominent in the Mennonite communities. Mm. Okay. So you get a few different options in the Mennonite communities. We have quite a number of Mennonites here in Alberta. Uh, so. My instinct would be a tractor falling on you, but I'm pretty sure that Alberta and Saskatchewan alone, you probably got about 30 or 40 tractor deaths a year. Um, you could potentially have a barn falling on you, uh, but they usually, uh, that's a that's a euphemism, isn't it, Skip? Choking on Canadian bacon? Um, <laughs> uh, the Mennonites tend not to put up that many barns in a year, so I'd be, I'd be hard-pressed to think that 16 people are dying in barn collapsing accidents. However, however, I'm going to go on a limb here and say, I wonder if it's grain silo related. People mm. who are dying in grain silos, uh, could that could be 16. That sounds like a number. Grain silo deaths. What do you think? Uh, I, I think that's a good guess, but it's nope. It's not. We're, we're, still, we're still far off. You know, these are really good guests. These are log good guesses. Jam. Yeah, Logjam is actually, that's a legitimate, um, for people who don't know about the the logging industry, especially in Canada, and how they move a lot of logs, mm-hmm. those, uh, that gets dangerous, doing those we have, log, log we have a We have a national song that goes out every year on the airwaves about the, uh, the log drivers. It's a little... Uh, Short. Um, so talking about Mennonites, you've got a lot of pig farming. You've got a lot of uh, chicken chicken and turkeys. Um, could it be uh, deaths by pig stampede? Ooh, that's a good one. No, and, and this, this particular statistic may be just, um, I, I didn't know how well known hmm. this particular thing is. So um, this is a genetic thing a genetic so thing it's a interesting illness now i'm trying to think um it's i don't global it, it happens everywhere yeah within the mennonite communities of canada it is prominent there and within french canadians see we've got a lot of issues with vitamin d deficiencies um i'm wondering if it's uh, death to sunlight exposure, some sort of um, uh, reaction to the sun, uh, reaction to ultraviolet radiation, uh, puts them into some sort of toxic shock. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so, no, that that's <laughs> not it. The uh, the ailment is discovered almost immediately after birth. While it can happen um, and develop more prominently uh, during childhood and adulthood, it's rare. So it's usually discovered um, soon after childbirth. Really? Yeah. I think I think you've stumped me pretty good because I'm okay. going through my head, you know, sort of childhood ailments, and I can't think of a number that would be as low as 16 because that's uh, that's a very small number. Okay, here it is for the first time ever, and and it, well, I shouldn't say for the first time. I think I had to give the answer uh, a couple other times, but the answer is maple syrup urinary disease. Oh, good and, guess, Skip. And uh, yeah, polio. I mean, uh, so polio's gone, bro. Yeah, polio's gone. Polio's but gone. This maple syrup urinary disease. Um, it, it was fascinating. I was looking up, you know, uh, strange Canadian, you know, ways for people to die. And mm-hmm. why it's called this is because the urine of typically the, the child smells so sweet. Yep. It smells like maple syrup. And how apropos for, uh, you know. The Canadians. The Canadians to uh, be, you know. Uh, unfortunately, the kind of epicenter of this, and it's it's um, these Mennonites. Majority of them carry this genetic trait. It's passed on, and also uh, France and French Canadians. Mm, who, that makes sense. Who have the the prominent? Do you know if it's uh, is it a kidney failure or a pancreatic failure? So it's a it has to do with the the pancreatic system and. Um, what it affects is their ability to, um, uh, yeah, it has to do with blood sugars and, um, and everything it's curable. Um, I think, I well, think, of course we got universal healthcare. Everything's curable. That's right. <laughs> it's free. It's right? free. <laughs> uh, skimp, uh, we will give you, we'll, we'll give you a star. For uh, for your answer, that's so, pretty. That was pretty good. It was. Yeah. yeah. Well played. Awesome. So that was this week's numero de los muertos. De los muertos. Awesome. So now that was a little PSA. The more you know. The more you know. Yeah. If your baby pees sweet. Get them to the hospital. Yeah, get them to the hospital. If they're in Canada, if they're in the U.S., make sure you got that good, you know, corporate coverage plan before going in. Yeah. Cannot be cured with uh, rubbing Epsom salts or anything else. You, you actually now, have to take How would that work in the Mennonite community, though? Because the most of the deaths take place in the Mennonite community where they don't uh, typically go to hospitals and, and yeah. clinics. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's actually, um, <clears throat> it is a thing. Um, I mean, like I said, we, we actually have um, both Hutterite and Mennonite communities in Alberta. Um, in fact, I think in Alberta and Saskatchewan, we probably have the highest density uh, next to maybe Ontario. Um, but they do they do tend to come in if it's serious. So like if someone is actually seriously injured, uh, you, you know, they literally will take the horse and buggy or whatever into town. Because um, most of the time they're around a small town, 
And a lot of the small towns, depending on the small town, they can handle trauma uh, for the most part. They might have to airlift them. But um, yeah, I used to live in a small town in Alberta. Um, we had a number of Mennonite communities around there. So um, you'd occasionally basically see them, you know, once a month or whatever, they would come into town. And so if they had uh, dentistry or anything like that, that's typically mm-hmm. the time they would get, like if it was, you know, emergent type situation, that's when they would take care of it. But uh, yeah, pretty crappy when it's a newborn, man. That's, that's a rough situation. It is. Yeah. It's sad. All right. Now we're going to go into the lightning round. Nice. If you could hear the thoughts of one living person for 10 minutes, who would it be and why? Uh, Dave Chappelle. <clears throat> Dave Chappelle. Because um, the amount of the, like, I love comedians. Uh, I love the brains of comedians. Um, I, you know, I've always aspired to be a comedian. I just love the, you can't put a comedian in the corner. And you could get three, four people ganging up on a comedian and they're just, they're ready to go. It doesn't matter what situation. And that man has an incredible mind for just coming up with the funniest, wackiest combination of things. Yeah. Um, so to be in his brain for 10 minutes and just kind of wait around in the random thoughts that he comes <laughs> up with, I mean, I'm sure I'd have enough material to write a book in 10 minutes. Oh, for sure. Absolutely. Great answer. I love it. If you were about to get into a fight, what soundtrack music would come on? Hmm. It's got to be something from ACDC, um, you know, because that's kind of the, the fight music up here. Anything by uh, ACDC, any kind of metal. Um, probably for those about to rock. Um, mm. Or uh, Hell's Bells. Hell's Bells yes. would be good. I love it. Uh, somebody a couple of weeks ago had an ACDC too. Um, Maybe Thunderstruck? Yeah, it was Thunderstruck. Yeah. Nice. All right. You can choose one of the following. You can hit a home run as a starting, uh, hit a home run as a starting pitcher, score a touchdown as a defensive lineman, score a goal in a hockey game as the goalie, or mm. score a soccer goal as the goalie. Gosh, um, so I'm really torn on this one because uh, I love hockey. Of course, it's in my genetics, mm-hmm. uh, and there is something very, very special about um, a goaltender scoring a goal. But against uh, my better judgment and my uh, my fellow Canadians, th- there is something very special about seeing a three hundred and sixty five pound fat man running the running the ball back because I mean the guy needs oxygen by the time he gets to the end zone right, and when you see that guy actually carry it and and take it in, yeah. I don't know. There's you know it's it's just for all the fat guys out there, especially in the cigar industry. It's yep. just, you root for the guy, right? That's right. Yep. No, I love it. That's, I, I couldn't agree more. All right. If you could bring back any fashion trend, <laughs> what would it be? Well, that's a tough one because a lot of the fashion trends that have gone, uh, I'm happy to see them go. However, one of the, and this is a wacky thing. I would love to see the idea of dressing up to go back to the movie theater as a thing. Because when you look at like people in the thirties and forties, when, you know, movie theaters were kind of a a thing, people were dressed in suits. Uh, I mean, they were really dressed like they were going out to the actual theater, not movie theater. 
Um, and I'm not saying I'd want to do it all the time, but mm-hmm. you know, like Alamo house or whatever that does a kind of fancy right. theater, yep. that would be a really fun experience to see the entire audience kind of dress. I mean, maybe tuxedos might be taking it too far, but to do like a full on suit to yep. go to a movie as an experience, I think that'd be kind of a lot of fun. I do. I love that. I love that so much. And even just dressing up to, to do anything. I mean, Sure, you might dress up to go out on a date and, you know, do that to go out to dinner. But to dress up to do, you know, to just go out to the movie theaters or, you know, that I love that. Yeah. Good nice. one. All right. Now we are going to talk about notable smokables. So every Ooh. week Matt and I uh, talk about one cigar throughout the week that uh, really, really hit the spot. So, John. <laughs> what uh what notable smokable do you have gosh um i might have to look at my cigar list uh because i've literally been smoking two to three cigars a day uh for like weeks so i'm trying to think of the last review cigar that we did um boy so i'm gonna have to go off thinking <clears throat> you want a minute to think i yeah, can yeah. Use mine that's great uh, my uh, my notable smokable for this week was the Illusione one-off. Oh, nice. Uh, a recent release from Illusione, and it, I mean, um, rarely do we see a company come out with, you know, 27 different Vitolas in a cigar. <laughs> um, and uh, Illusione did with the one-off, and I've smoked six of the seven, and... They are all fantastic, but the wow. one I had this week, uh, it just it hit, and it is fantastic. I'm going to go with the because this this is recent, uh, so I didn't have to go too far. But um, this was just at the end of last week. Uh, we're kind of talking about this in the green room. The uh, new hotness from Espinosa, which was the uh, Crema mm-hmm. de Laranja, 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 Laranja. Yeah. Um, yep. that was really, really good. So talking about barber poles, um, yeah. I was kind of going into it going, ah, man, barber pole, I don't know. Um, but it was really, it was a really interesting combination of flavors. Um, John has a really good one, which was actually, ironically, Coincidentally, the uh, the one that I was going to go to, um, I just this was unfortunately more than a few weeks ago, um, the, the re-release of the Avo Maduro, mm-hmm. and I got to tell you, um, you know, for an older cigar that's kind of been re-released, like they just killed it. Like it's yeah. just it, it. The price point's great. The flavor just takes me back to you know when you used to be able to get. I'll, like I don't know why, but Maduros have kind of fallen out of the uh, cigar du jour uh, of of the time. Like a lot, you know, we're all over the place now with styles. But man, that just took me back to old school Maduro. Um, just kind of had ticked all those boxes of chocolatey and balanced. Um, but for recent smokes, that Espinosa man, that um, that was a nice nice barber pole that really delivered for me. Yeah, awesome. What about you? So you, you sorry, you said it, and I was looking up the. No, it's right. Uh, it was the the, the Illusione. One off. Yeah, you, I mean, have you had them? Uh, I have, and you know, for the most part, I think Dion is one of those guys 
who blends stuff that I can pretty much just buy blind. Um, you know, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to be kind of guaranteed like a good experience, whether it's a great experience right. kind of depends on the size mm-hmm. and whatever. Um, but, but he has like a floor, which, um, you know, I think makes for a lot of people really love his stuff. So kind of a, kind of a no brainer there. Well, in between Dion and Skip's, um, Candela's, those are mm. the only two Candela's that I, I really enjoy. Um, yeah. Um, that that triple uh, eight candela. Oh, um, forget about it, dude. It's I mean, and that cigar is old now, right? Like that's I know. that's well, that's an old cigar for people to catch on because I mean, candela for so long was this grassy hay. Oh yeah, stick. And um, for me, the triple eight was the one that really flipped my thinking on it. Like you can have a good candela. And yeah. skip him out with his and yeah. Yeah, I think you can I think you can blend a candela that still gives you a bit of that candela uh influence without being just predominantly grassy, bitter hay. Um because you know, yeah. I mean I I know it used to be a thing, but that's not really an enjoyable flavor profile. So if you can get some yeah. of that, but then other tobaccos in there that balance that out, that's that's a fun experience. Yep, exactly. Well, John, I mean, thank you so much for coming on and uh, pinch hitting and, you know, enjoy the conversation, the, the holiday, um, you know, uh, discussion at the top of the show. Um, Want to give a couple closing remarks on what we have coming up here at How About That Cigar. Uh, next week, we're going to be talking with Danny Vasquez about the relaunch of Voyage super excited uh he's been kind of hot on the market uh on a lot of different shows so uh excited to talk to him on december 22nd we're gonna have our first annual how about that cigar year in review show where nice and I are going to talk about we're gonna pull out this box of bands and go through talk about some memories some good sticks some good times that uh, we've had and then on the 29th we're gonna reveal our picks for cigar of the year so uh, excited for that. Uh, please be sure to, to subscribe and, you know, hit the little bell, hit the, you know, uh, notify me when, when we go live on Facebook and YouTube. Um, but, John, please let viewers and listeners know where they can find more about you, what you're doing, developing palettes, all that jazz. Thanks, brother. Um, and looking forward to those shows. Those should be good ones. I love this time of the year when we get into the uh, end-of-the-year discussions. They're always passionate and fun. Um, of course, for, for our stuff, uh, developing palettes, it's easy. You just got to be able to learn how to spell palettes right. It's not Pilates. It's not uh, wooden palettes. It is, in fact, your actual palette on your tongue. Uh, so if you search for developing palettes, we're on Facebook, we're on YouTube. Uh, if you listen to podcasts, which I do quite a bit, um, developing palettes on all the podcast catchers. Uh, if you want to tag me and stuff, I'm the same on all social media. Just look for cigar surgeon, uh, one word cigar surgeon on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you can find me out there and tag me. Um, you know, always, uh, always look forward to the interactions. That's kind of what makes it fun for me. Absolutely. Well, again, thanks again. And uh, for all the viewers and listeners, thank you so much for your continued support. Uh, And until we see you next time, burn cigars, not bridges. Thanks, everybody.